Good morning, gentlemen. So we're going to start from Ayin Beis Amid Beis, 72b, three lines from the bottom. And because we've been talking about, we're finishing off the kahuna with a discussion of the, the big day kahuna, the clothing of the Kohanim Gedolim. And there is a concept that clothing, uh, when you clothe yourself, uh, something special happens. In other words, that makes the Kohen is the big day kahuna. They're, they just like a vessel in the Beis Hamigdash, when you put flour in it, it sanctifies it. The Big De Kahuna sanctify the person who does them. Uh, there's, a, that's a, there's a concept there the, of the Big De Kahuna. And the, uh, therefore, we're finishing up the Masechta after the whole service with the description of the Big De Kahuna and how they worked. And the question that we get into is that we mentioned one of the more mysterious Big De Kahuna, which was the breastplate with the gems, and uh, we find that that was used outside the Beis Hamikdash uh, for people to ask uh, advice during war. And so then the assumption was that the Kohen Gadol would be in the Beis Hamikdash, so that this was a regular Kohen. And what the picture that emerges is there's a new position called the Meshuach Melchama. There was a Kohen uh, in the category of the big Kohanim, the Kohanim Gedolim, uh, called the Meshuach Melchama. So now we almost have a third category of Kohen Gadol. We have the regular Kohen Gadol. We have somebody that filled in as a Kohen Gadol who's not currently active. Uh, he, once you're a Kohen Gadol, you're a Kohen Gadol for life, meaning that a uh, uh, person, you always go up and you don't go down. And then the third level is the Meshuach Melchama, the Kohen Gadol who's anointed. Uh, it's interesting that... Uh, he gets anointed, but he anointed for, uh, to lead in battle. Uh, so uh, that's the one that we're talking about. And right away, we're seeing differences between the Kohen Gadol in charge of battle and the Kohen Gadol uh, in charge of the, of the Beis Hamikdash. So we mentioned that the Choshen and the Ephod were in the bottom of Ayin Beis Amid Beis. Uh, they had something called the Urim Vitumim. Now, by the way, it's not simple what the Urim Vitumim were. Uh, we've been going with one description that they are the, the, uh, the breastplate had lights on them, had the gems, and that there was uh, the Kohen Gadol would write down Hashem's name and like insert it like we do with the Kosal. There was like a crack there and they would put it in and then they would light up and it would... Uh, but that's just one way to learn. Other people, there are other, a whole other different explanations about how they worked. Um, like the SIM card in the yeah, almost like that, very much, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I hadn't thought about that. You've got to put the sim in. Uh, but uh, the Torah really doesn't tell us how they worked. Um, good morning, Michael. So we're, we're, we're talking about the Urim Vitumim. I think on Yale University they have a picture of the, 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 that verse of the Urim The idea was that's where you come for knowledge, you know. But the word Ur, uh, we're going to see, means light. Like um, it lights up or it becomes clear, like daylight. And then Tumi means like uh, complete or whole. So uh, uh, we're talking about the, the part of the Big De Kahuna where you could get answers. There is a concept that when we daven, sometimes we are confused what to do, and through davening we get our answers. We get, we're not sure what way to go when we daven, and our davening doesn't really, um, somehow it gives us a clarity. The, the answers come out through the, when we pray to Hashem, 
that's always uh, what we do when we're not sure what to do, <laughs> and somehow the answers come out. But okay, so let's begin. Ki Asr Ravdimi Omar. When Ravdimi came, he said, that a Koin Gadol that served as the Meshulach Mochama, Mishamish Behen. Um, Begadim, I'm sorry. Begadim shekain gadol mishamish behem, the clothing that only the kain gadol wore, which is the urim v'tumim, mishuach mochama mishamish behem. The kohen who went to war had to have the urim v'tumim, and you can't have just the urim v'tumim because it's it's a package deal. Either you're a, a kohen who wears four set, four pieces of clothing, or the kohen who wears eight pieces. And so evidently he had all eight. Shenamur big day kodesh shesharon yir lebanav achrof. Now it comes out that if you're if he wore all eight, he's also a type of Kohen Gadol. Because only a Kohen Gadol could wear all eight. So if the this was taken to war, which it was, then clearly there's a Kohen Gadol who wears uh, there's another kind of Kohen Gadol. And that's really the question here. If there's another kind of Kohen Gadol, what are the rules? And where do you see in the Torah that there's also a you, you have regular Kohanim, and you have this position called the war Kohen. Does he have to be from the sons of Aaron, or can he be like... Yeah, yeah, no, he has to be a Kohen, and, and it's, a, it's a Kohen God we're going to see. He has to, so, uh, let's, uh, so the Pusik says, like, the, it hints to it, because it says, Shenemar ubigdei kodesh asher l'aron yiu l'banav achrov. It says that the holy clothes that belong only to Aaron will be for his children afterwards. And it implies for more than one child, more than one at a time. Anybody that is put in a position of authority can wear the Kohen Gadol clothes. So it implies that there's more than one. Mesev, the Gemara has a question. They can do the Rashi. Rashi's in the middle of the page on the left side. Yula Banav Akhrav. Hi, Achrav Kra Yiserahu. This Pusik's extra. It tells you all the important positions of Aaron's descendants. Meshuch Melchama is also a big one. <laughs> That's also, in other words, there's, there's two Kohanim Gedolim. There's the regular coin in the base of Migdosh, and then there's the one in the uh, leads the war. Some people said Kadis said this. If something is a position, then the rule is it's hereditary. It gets passed down like a dynasty. So if the Kohen Gadol is a dynasty and his kids will be Kohanim Gadolim afterwards. So if this position of chief general Kohen, the chief chaplain Kohen, is a dynasty, so shouldn't it pass down to his kids? Talmud Lomar, Yigamar said, you're absolutely right. I would have thought that it does, just like any Kohen Gadol. As we turn to today's page, Talmud Lomar, Shivas Yamim Yabishem HaKohen Takti Banav Asher Yavu Elo Moed. That it's the, the, for seven days they'll be anointed and they'll wear the Kohen Gadol clothes. Mi Shuroi Lavu Elo Moed. Only the Kohen Gadol, uh, the only Kahuna that gets passed on to the next generation that's a dynasty is the one that comes in the tent of the meeting. Uh, whereas the general one, the one who's in the war, he doesn't get, he doesn't get to uh, pass on to his kids. The E Misa, uh, but the more has a question. If he's wearing the Kohen Gadol clothes, 
So he could come in the Oomoed if he really has all of them. That's the question. Mixikasi. So Omrem Nachman Bar Yisachar. This is what it means to say. Kol she'icha mishichaso la'Oomoed. The basically somebody whose main appointment is to serve in the temple. Yatzezu she'ich mishaslo milchama. This one is not. He, he's basically made for war. That's his job. So since he's basically made for war, so he doesn't get a dynasty. And uh, yesterday we quoted the Chavetz Chaim that said, you know, when you need a Kohen for war, you need the best candidate. You can't wait for the kids to grow into the position. You know, you're at war and you say, well, his kid will grow into it. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody's afraid. Everybody doesn't have the, uh, the Hashem on their side or does, he doesn't have the right words. No, the, the, for the Meshuach Mochama, you have to just choose the most worthy person. You can't wait. There's a concept that uh, in most many situations, if a person's a leader, you could train his child to follow in his footsteps. Can be that's how all the monarchs worked is that they trained the next generation. But for Meshuach Mochama, we don't do that. Okay? That's that's what we want to say. And the Meshuach Mochama, even though he wears the Kohen Gadol clothes, he's not. He doesn't go serve in the Beis Hamikdash as the Kohen Gadol. This view says the Meshuch Mochama doesn't get to wear the four like a regular coin. Basically, he doesn't go to the base of Mikdash. So that's a little surprising. Like you would say on weekends, he goes to the base of Mikdash. No. You're turning him into a non coin just because he's a, a, the coin who goes to war? What's going on here? Ella Kakoin Gadol, he can't wear Kain Gadol's clothing, Mishumeva. Kain Gadol doesn't like to have uh, people in power, they don't like to have anyone else take it away. Eva is like uh, bad feelings. People are going to have bad feelings, uh, resentment, I think that's the word. But Kain Hedget, Mishumal Mikodish will overread. He's not a plain Kain Hedget, he's not just the average Kain, he's, he's the chief, uh, chief general, chaplain, whatever. So Therefore, um, uh, the, uh, he doesn't do either. Omar Leir Vada Barava Larava, Vahai Tanata Lesle Eva. We're saying that really he could be the Kohen Gadol, because really he could wear the eight. We just don't think it's a good idea because we don't want to create resentment. Uh, and that's an important thing. Uh, unfortunately, people of power sometimes resent other people who they feel threaten their power or get equal respect. We had that before, that even the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, who just got out of the Holy of Holies, and everybody went to Shammai Vav Talyan and he had resentment. Why, why, why isn't he happy that he you know, had what he had? The answer is, unfortunately, they, it would be great people get they, they jealous of other great leaders. That's just a, Today they come out with the biographies, and you find out that... Uh, you know, when they, you know, when they have these big things, the big powwows, the, all the great people hate each other. You know, they all, uh, this one doesn't like that one. And the, um, it's, uh, it's amazing how often you, uh, um, it's it just uh, that yesterday there was something about, there was a, like an important television show and they talked about how the, the heads of it were fighting backstage, you know. On stage, they're like buddy-buddy and they love each other. But they, they, because there's resentment, it's amazing what that, you know, resentment does that people... Uh, so, at any rate, is, uh, is that a reason not to let the Kohen, the war Kohen serve is because of resentment? Is that a reason? Hai Tana de Lesle Eva, the Gemara says, but we have a Tana that doesn't 
uh, doesn't um, doesn't record, doesn't feel resentment is a good reason not to let a Kohen serve, and he still doesn't let the Meshuach Melchama wear the clothes. And he does, the Tanya, let's see. In other words, uh, it really gets down to our question, is the Meshuach Melchama also a Kohen Gadol? Or is it just, he gets to wear the Ori Vitumim? That's really the question. The previous concept was, he is a Kohen Gadol, but if we let him serve at the same time as the other Kohen Gadol, that'll create resentment, so... The best thing is let him stay away from the base of English. Why do we really need a coin battle out there? On, I'm sure calling the bro. Don't we really need a Navi or something or someone who's a? We'll see a little bit. Um, we're mentioning it in passing. There's other places that, that deal with the subject. Uh, I mean, he's not going to really be offering but, carbono uh, uh, This was a position. This was a certain... Uh, many people learn that a, a battle is a spiritual thing. And a spiritual thing, you need to be uh, on a spiritual high. In other words, if we're going to win a battle, it's because Hashem is with us. And uh, the Kohen, uh, the Meshuch Muhammad had to inspire the troops to be on a level, to have faith and to, and to have Hashem on their side. Um, you read a little bit about this in the Chashmonoim, in Hanukkah. If you look at the history of it, we even have the drushes. That like Matis Yahu, who everybody makes him to be some kind, he, he would talk to the people about, you know, we're, when we go to war, we're representing Hashem, and they're representing the idols, and Hashem's on our side, and the numbers don't matter, don't worry about that, and of course Hashem will help us. And, uh, um, and you read that he gave these speeches, and then they were successful in battle. And sometimes they were even fasting, which is amazing too, because they fasted before the battles. That was the... so. Um, that was the role of the Meshuach Mohama, was, was definitely to inspire. We believe that was one of our secret weapons, uh, was the uh, Meshuach Mohama. Okay, but at any rate, now we're in the middle of a question, which is, does, is this Meshuach Mohama, the Kohen who leads war, is he also a Kohen Gadol? And could he potentially serve? So the first view was, he's a Kohen Gadol, but we don't let him serve not to create resentment. But the, the question we have an opinion that doesn't worry about resentment. And still, and says that he can't serve. What's the difference between a kind God and a kind hedget? Uh, we'll point out the difference. Number one, there's a certain rule that a, uh, if a, a Kohen God makes a mistake in judgment, uh, he's required to bring an offering. He would, uh, they would come to him with the, with the question of the base of Migdush, you know, can we do this, can we not? And if he gave the wrong ruling, so he had to bring a special offering. Only Kohen Gadol does that. If a regular Kohen uh, was there that day, the, the Kohen Gadol wasn't there every day. And let's say he gave a ruling and he said, oh, okay, go ahead. Like things happen in the base of Migdush, you know, like uh, mistakes happen and things. Like that. So somebody has to make the decision. So if a Kohen Hedget made the decision, he doesn't bring this, like an offering that only the head Kohen brings. That's called the Karmashiach. How, do you know, how, do, how does he know if he made the decision? I suppose later it gets, uh, people review it. Oh, <laughs> when there's more time to look at it, so they bring the proofs and the Sanhedrin and the... Uh, the body yeah. But at the time, there's no time. Somebody needs to come up with a decision. And uh, uh, so if he finds out, he really, I mean, it's a good question how... Even the Sanhedrin, it says, sometimes goofed, and they had to bring the offering. So how did, did they just change their mind? Did they figure it out? Like, uh, uh, but one of the concepts of Torah is that you just want to get it right. You know? So if you discover 
oh, whoops, I, I forgot this part. So then you've got to fix it. So they bring, the, the truth is, the, they combine the two. Parabol commits a par, um, coin Mashiach, uparakol mitzvah, it's almost the same, uh, same kind of offering. Upar yom kippurim. And the coin gadol brings uh, the par on yom kippur. That's only the coin gadol does that. Vasiri seif. And every day he brings a flower offering. That's the unique. Uh, and if he loses a relative, lo pareya v'lo param. He can't do the two things. Uh, he can't let his hair grow. Kaingaru had to always be have his hair trimmed. A mourner lets his hair grow. Uh, and he doesn't also um, wrap himself. They used to like cover themselves when they wore clothing. Uh, the Kaingaru doesn't do that. Um, I th- or I think they say rend the clothing. Um, but... Uh, but one thing he does do, he does like a little bit at the bottom of his clothing, and even the coin head yet, he does above. Uh, the, Ko- the Kohanim represented Hashem, so they always had to be like clean and neat, and, and like you, know, you didn't show them disheveled and torn clothing. Like it was, a, it was the idea, it represented and made people think of Hashem, a reflection of Hashem. So they couldn't, uh, they, there were requirements about how they went. And a kohen gadol doesn't go to this, uh, make himself impure for his relatives. Umitzvah l'vasuli has to marry a virgin. Umuzer almana and he's warned not to marry a widow. A regular kohen is allowed to marry a widow. Umaxer esrotzeach and if he dies, the uh, people that killed by mistake in the cities of refuge go out. Umakrivonim and even during the days of mourning he can bring kabbonos, but he doesn't eat. Veinucholik and he doesn't get a portion. And usually he's the first, he gets first dibs, and he gets the first choice in the service, and he gets to wear all eight of the and if there's a mistake and he goes in Batuma, he's, he's Pater, there's an exemption there. And uh, the whole service in Yom Kippur, only the Kohen Gadol could do, no other Kohen. And uh, uh, one second. So that's the list. That's the Kohen Gadol list. If you want to know what the Kohen Gadol is, that's what the Kohen Gadol All Those are all the mitzvahs of the Kohen Gadol. Next. What about uh, now the Kohen Gadol uh, was anointed as a Kohen Gadol. What if the Kohen Gadol, they, uh, the oil was hidden away and they, he wasn't able to be anointed as the Kohen Gadol? So he's called the Merubavagadim. He, he's Kohen Gadol because he wore the eight clothing. But he never got inaugurated. He, he's not. He never got inaugurated with Kohen oil with the Mashiach. So the question is, oh, we have the the Kohen Mashiach here. <laughs> it's uh, Rabbi Horvitz was the uh, was the chaplain for many years, and so uh, uh, the chaplain is very different than a Kohen Mashiach. But I think the idea came from the Kohen Mashiach. You know yeah, that they did. have. So, yeah, that's, so the, uh, that's what we're talking about over here is the Kohen Mashiach. The cool of the host Maruva Gadim. But we're saying that even if he wasn't anointed with oil, uh, but he was anointed by wearing more clothing, he all he's still a full hundred percent kind gadol, except for one halacha, parabol kol mitzvahs. That doesn't apply to Merugam. Next, v'kula. Now we get to our meshuach mochama. V'kula nehod meshuach. I'm sorry, no, we didn't get there yet. V'kula nehod meshuach shavar. What about if he's a fill-in kohen? He he filled in for the kind gadol. Something happened to kind gadol. And now the old Kohen Gadol came back, so we give the old Kohen Gadol his job back. So you have this person who once was the Kohen Gadol. So it comes out, you have two people with the status of Kohen Gadol. So all, everything would apply to him. Chutzmi, he doesn't bring the Yom Kippurim, 
but see, and he doesn't have to bring the daily things. Now we get to the, that's, in other words, if you're a retired Kohen Gadol, so you don't have to bring the daily offering and, and the Yom Kippur uh, part. But he's a full Kohen Gadol. Uh, and all of these things don't apply to the Meshuach Mochama. This is the kicker. In other words, we're saying the Meshuach Mochama is not really uh, Kohen Gadol as, as far as that, except for five things that are said in the Parsha. Lo of lo parim. He doesn't do the uh, mourning the, uh, with the tearing of the clothes. He doesn't go to his relative's funeral. He, he's married, he has to marry a virgin, and he can't marry a widow. And according to one view, if he dies, even if not the coin Gadol dies, but the coin Meshulach Muhammad dies, he, the people would leave the Orimikha, Divra of Yehuda. would say, no, he can't. So um, the bottom line is, um, we see over here, that the uh, assistant, I'm sorry, that the, the fill-in Kohen is allowed um, to, uh, to wear all the clothes. And we're not worried about Eva. And he's just like the Kohen Gadol. So the Morris says, Ki He doesn't, the Kohen Gadol doesn't get jealous of the fill-in. Because the fill-in was a Kohen Gadol for a few days. So that's on the same station. But But if there is a Kohen who's less than him, like the Kohen uh, Muhammad Islay. So then, uh, then he would resent it because he's not really, the Kohen that went to Muhammad is not quite the station of the Kohen Gadol. Okay. How yes? Often, how often was the case where you had a retired Kohen Gadol? There were some. I, I don't know how often it was. Yeah. When we mean retired, we mean that somebody filled in because that particular year he couldn't do it. Or, right. but, or if he did retire, so you can never un-Kohen Gadol yourself. Right, right, it's right. just like... Um, you had people that wanted to marry Biosa. a divorcee, and yeah, they, right? But so he, uh, but you had you can't retire from the kahuna. You can't resign your commission. You can't. So they still have the requirements of kahuna, though, but they're just not active. Right, but he wants to know what does the retired person do at that point? Or that what's their Biosa status? Still was right. Uh, yeah. We're going to see that if they're not active, that it could be the Urimitumi doesn't work. And, uh, so, uh, but, uh, okay. So, Yosef, Revolu, Kamerlai, Shmaisa, Now, there's an etiquette, that, not an etiquette, that we, we said before, they had to be very careful uh, when you quote somebody. So he said this teaching in the name of Rav Yochanan, Adir, Rav Ami, Ravasi, Lapayu. They turned away from him. Uh, because uh, he didn't quote it right, or he's the one who said it. The question of who who said it and they misquoted it, they they said it in the name of Rav Yochanan or Rashi. Uh, Why they turn away? They he never said that. Someone else said that. There's nothing wrong in the teaching. It's just they they misattributed it, I guess. So you, you don't say Rav Yochanan said something if he didn't. I understand uh, why Evahu, Rebbe Vahu, uh, would have, uh, they turned away and they didn't say anything because Yikre de Bey Kesar, he was in the government, uh, he had a government position. And if you insulted him, you were insulting the Caesar. And you didn't want to risk insulting the Caesar. Otherwise, they would have cursed him out. They would have told it to him, right? Why didn't they tell him? Uh, so Lo Omar Rabbi Yochanan, they should have just said, "Don't say it." They stop. You messed up. So the Kiyasa Rabbi Omar Nishalitma. So uh, he said that uh, 
Lo Omer Rabbi Yochanan Haki. So, um, that's it. New things, Yochanan. Yeah, so the question is why that's a question, why they didn't. Ella Lechia Barava, Neymar Lehmeymar. Why didn't they just say it? Okay, so that's, that's uh, we're not answering that question. Yeah. That, that's a question. Why didn't he tell him Rabbi Yochanan didn't say it? He should have said it. Okay, so we don't know. We don't know why he didn't just say Rabbi Yochanan. Why did he turn away instead of just, just correcting Morris him? says the Ikadamra is wrong. Yeah. Ki Asa Ravin, uh, when Ravin came, he said Nishalitmar. That when we're talking about the Koyim Meshuach, we're just talking about asking the Urim Betumim. Taninami Hachi, Begadim Shekain Gadim Meshamish Behem, Meshuach Melchama Nishal Behem. The Meshuach Melchama would put them on only if they were asking from the Urim Betumim. Let's see, Rashi. He asked a rub in five lines to the bottom. La Meshamish Behem Itmar. The Koyim Gadol didn't win, the Koyim War didn't put on. Meshuach Muhammad didn't put on the Kohen Gadol clothes to do the Avoda. He only put them on to ask. If the king needed to ask what to do in war, so he would put them on just for the purpose of asking. How did it work? The one that was asking faced the one who, he, the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Meshuach Muhammad in this case, and the one that was being asked, he faced the, the Shekhinah. He faced uh, the, the Beis HaMikdash. Kuntar Rashi faced the Urim Betumim. Kuntar the Rambam means he faced the Urim. Okay. Kodesh Kodoshim. Yeah. Hashem. Uh, maybe they brought out, they had a special R and they took out the war. Maybe that one made the No, they had the there is a Rashi. Rashi says, Klape Shkina, Klape Urim Vitumi, Meshem Choshen. They had Hashem's name in the Choshen, so that's okay, where he that's faced. Yeah. Yeah. According to the Rambam, it's the Oren. Right, I'm not sure whether he means that. It's either Oren. The Oren is considered the Shkina. Yeah. So, Hashem. Right. Rambam is not like Rashi. Rambam says, like you said, that. Um, so the one asking the question would say, should we chase after? Should we give chase? Yeah. In other words, in war, that's what, should we follow them? Is it's it a trap? Yeah. It's a in, by David. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's the example was by David and Melch. Yeah. And the one who's being asked would say, yeah, go for it, and you'll be successful. That was the answer. You don't need to say who's talking. <laughs> we know who's talking. No, but I, how could you even say, how can you say, Hashem? Hashem didn't say anything. It was the, light. Well, that's Hashem. No, but it's not saying. It's, it's writing. That's the, the communicating. That's the, that's the word of Hashem. No, but Omar is Lashon Amira. Um, that's interesting. I hear the question. Okay. Maybe it's Lavdafka. You know, Lavdafka. He communicated. He communicated. But Omar means Amir, it means saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, so I didn't know. You, maybe what, what, maybe what there was you, a voice that came what out. What would you like it to say instead? Well, yeah. Aleva Atlach. You may say Koy Omar Hashem if Hashem's not talking. Um, All right. I, I understood the, the issue, though, was just we don't even need to say it. But you're asking, how would you be allowed to say it? I hear your question. Okay. Olavatsa, go and be successful. Ain't Shol in the cult. 
uh, you, when the person asked the question, he didn't ex- actually have to ask. Oh. He didn't have to say, should we go to war? Shinamra have a show low. It says that... Uh, yeah. She, it, the only one who heard it was, it, it was only asked to the Urim Vitumim. Below Mahar Malibo, and it wasn't in his heart. It was done the way Chana did when she davened, where she said the words, but no one could hear. She spoke on her heart. Um, and in other words, the person, he, he didn't just think it, he said it, but he didn't have to say it loud. Uh-huh. It's sort of like ESP. Like yeah. Read my lips, yeah. yeah. Now you don't ask two things at once. It's it's a one request. It get too confusing to read all the uh, the letters of what the reply was. The im and if he did, he only gets one answer. and first things first. David Melech wanted to know if he was safe where he was, or they would give him up. Will the people of Kiila turn me over to Shoal's troops? Hayorid Shol, and then he said, "Is Shol even going to attack?" Vayom Hashem, Yorid, he is going to attack. The Gemara said, "What we just said, Ein Maxir and Elorishon, we only answer the first one." So the Gemara said, "Ein Maxir and Elorishon, the first." Yeah, and here, Vayom Hashem, Yorid is the second. And the second question. one, yes. The David Shol Sirlo As we turn the page, David asked, not in the right order. The Hixirlo Kasidr, he got the order confused, and um, and they answered him according to the correct order. Kivin Shedeil. Um, once he knew once he, re- he, he they had seconds here in other words they had a few seconds to figure out if Shaul's army was going to come and then he would be stuck meaning he was in the city if he left the city he could run away if Shaul was coming he could be stuck in the city so he had a few seconds to decide so he very quickly uh, spoke to the Urim and when you do things quickly you make mistakes so he got the order wrong, and he immediately realized, he realized, he realized that uh, he had to ask it the right way. Will they give me over? Yeah, they sure will. Now, um, if you need uh, to ask about two things, you'll get, you'll get answered two things. If there's two parts to the answer. First he said, should I give chase? And then he wanted to know, will I... Uh, will I succeed? And Hashem said, "Yet yeah, give chase. You, you will certainly reach them, and you will save. A prophet can decree, like Yonah decreed, the city will be overturned, and it wasn't overturned. Uh, people can do teshuva. But once the Urim Vitumim said something, that was like done. <laughs> Yeah, that actually, that's what the word, the word tumi means. It, it's uh, it go, it's done. It's like it's 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 fully. That's what's going to be. Yeah, but don't they need a little decoding time to figure out the message? I mean, well, that could be, but whatever. The, once you figure it out, you can. That that's the way it's going to be. There was Achitofel was a great advisor, and they used to say his nickname was like the Urim because when he said something, that's the way it was. It was never like off. Um, why is it called Urim Urim Shamir Nestivarim. The the words became clear or they lit up. They completed their words. Now the famous question was during the civil war, what happened was there was a civil war between the eleven tribes and Binyamin, and they asked the Urim Vitumim, 
and uh, the advice didn't come out good. They were advised to go to battle, and they lost. They get, so what happened over there? How come it didn't work there? The answer was, they asked wrong. They said, should we go to battle, but they didn't ask if we were going to win. They should have asked if we we're going to win. They didn't say if we're going to go. And that was a little different there, too, because, okay. And then later they figured out that's how they should ask. And he asked, Should we go to war with Binyamin, my brother? He also, they wanted them to realize the, there was a need to go to war, but they should realize they're fighting their brother. That was Pimkas didn't know that, that they have to ask specific, like if they're going to win? Um, it, it wasn't clear earlier, e uh, or should they not? It wasn't clear the first time. Well, uh, maybe they only put the question that way. Ah, I don't Pimkas, know. it says, yes, at some point, that Pimkas not mentioned the first two times. Had it been consulted initially, it would have certainly instructed them to also inquire whether they were going to win or lose. The philosophy could have been avoided. Was Marshall, there... Marshall says that. But the question is, because, so who, why did they ask someone else? I mean... Pinchas was the coin godel, right? Uh, maybe there was the Meshuach Mochama. I don't know. So Hashem said, go for it, and you'll win. How, how did it work exactly? So Rabbi Yochanan says, Boltos. Uh, the letters like stuck out. Uh, they, uh, the Rashi, Boltos, Osios, but the letters uh, lit up. Kigon, Ayin, Mishimon, Lamed, Melevi, Hey, Yehuda. Lomer Allah, that would spell out go. In other words, the letters of the answer would appear, like light bright. Now, they, they didn't leave the spot on the breastplate, Ella Boltos Mukomo. They would stick out, they would shine up, and they, uh, that's a. Reish Lakish says, Misarfos. He says, no, the letters would like move, you know, like on a scrabble board, they would like somehow come together. I have a loksi bahu tzadi. There's no tzadi there, so how, how would you have the words? Omer Shmuel Yitzchak, Omer Shmuel bar Yitzchak, he says, Avram Yitzchak v'yakov sivsham. In addition to the names of the shvatim, it also said the avos. The six letters on each on each stone. And so you have Yitzchak there, you have the tzadi. I have a loksi test, there's no test. So Omer of Achabar Yaakov, shifte yeshurun sivsham. There was, it said shifte yeshurun, the tribes... So in the word shevet, you, if you're going to spell out messages, you've got to have all the letters, otherwise it won't work. You know yeah. how it said it. Let's say Ruvain, the first stone, it said Ruvain, and then it said Aleph from Avram. Each, each, each stone had six letters. So it's, it's Ruvain, Aleph, then Shimon is five letters, it's Shimon, base, mm-hmm. and then uh, Levi had uh, Reish, Hey, Mem. Levi and Reish, Oh, Mem. that was broken so, up that way. Oh, yeah, I saw that's how they well, was. How they yeah. Okay. Mesvein. More has a question. Now, if the Kohen who's there doesn't have Ruach HaKodesh or the Shekinah on him, ain't showing it. You're wasting your time if you ask him. Shari showed Tzadok for Oslo. Well, they, they asked Tzadok, he knew it. Rav Yasser, Velo Oslo. Shnam Rav Yasser, Velo Oslo. Tell him, call the Am. So, um, uh, it, 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 it didn't work over there. Where the, uh, when Rav Yasser lost the position, he no longer, was, it didn't work. So uh, we see from here that uh, you, it's really the Kohen has to have like the Ruach HaKodesh to make it work. So um, we, I thought it worked on its own. So Lumar said, it's a combination. The Kohen helps. Let's see Rashi. 
Kohen Bahade Urin Vitumim. It's together. The, you have to have a righteous Kohen and the Urhilchak. Im Kohen Kasher over Roy Lishtashinolov. If he's a good Kohen and he's worthy, so then Osus Boltos. Or Metzdarfus. Either they'll shine up or they'll add Alide Anishabov. Im Lav, but if it's the wrong Kohen and he's not worthy, even if he has the Urin Vitumim, it's not going to work. Like by the second base of Migdash. So in general, there, we said before that there are many hold that didn't, they didn't have the. Uh, the Urimitumi didn't work by the second base of English. I don't see it in the Osmo, but I think they says that uh, the shame I'm first that was in between the Khoisha and this was the shame of 72 letters. Did you ever see that? It was the same name of 72 letters. I don't, not Yud Kevav. Yeah, I might have seen that. I don't remember it though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ain Shol Um We talked about this. It was, it was brought up earlier. So we said only the, uh, the king can make the request. How do you know that? So uh, it, now, who does that refer to? Who's that Melech? That refers to the king. Uh, that's the Meshuch Sanhedrin. So you see that it, it can't. Uh, not anybody can ask. Uh, uh, now, how did the words Kol B'nei Yisrael mean the Kohen Meshuch Mochama? So there's a Rashi there, final Rashi. The Kol B'nei Yisrael Ito Misha Kol B'nei Yisrael Ito Achrov. It's interesting, like they followed the Kohen Meshuach. He was like, come on, guys, let's go. You know, or the general. Yeah, oh, that's the way Rashi sounds already a little bit. So, like, let's see the Mishnah. So now we find, just like Psachim, it's interesting, got to the, the, the first few chapters dealt with the Avodah and the Beis Amigdosh, and then in the end we get to the Seder. So here also, Yom Kippur, the first, all the chapters dealt with the Avodah and the Beis Amigdosh. Now we get to the Inuyim, the, the, uh, the, what we do today, the afflictions. Yom Kippurim Aser. So the first Toisus in the Masechta he says because it starts off chronologically because the first thing which is connected to Yom Kippur was the Shivas Yom Kippur. I see. So I see. since he started off with that, he continued the whole thing about going God. Yeah. Well, the, the Toisus right here says that on the, this oh, Toisus. Okay. Yeah, he goes through the order. Yom Kippurim Aser Bachil Vishdiya. You're not allowed to eat or drink on Yom Kippur or Rechitz or to wash, or to anoint. Uvenilas is sound of the word leather shoes of Betashemit to family relations. Vahamelech, Vahakala, a king or a bride, Yirchot says Peneham. They're allowed to wash their face. That's, um, we'll talk about it, why. That's more of, uh, it's more of, of a affliction for them not to wash because they, the people respect them or look up to them like a, a new bride, if her face was dirty, would really not... Uh, would, would not be good. Hachaya, uh, now what happens if a woman just gave birth? It's very difficult to walk barefoot, so tenolas a sandal. She could wear leather shoes. Divei rebelezer, chalim oster, and they say no. Now, like all eating, uh, the Torah says you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. What's the minimum amount? So that amount is kosevas agasa. That's a, a size of a fig. A date, a fat date. Kamoha, and it's the size of the date, Ukagrinaseha, together with the uh, the seed inside. The, you know, it's the it's the volume. Vahashosa and the amount of drinking that a person gets in trouble for, Malelukma, they fill a cheek. So if they did that on Yom Kippur Chayev, then they're guilty. Kol Ochman Starfin Lakosevis, you could have two different foods. It's uh, even it can't say I only ate a little bit. If he eats a little bit of ten foods, yeah, that's it adds together. The Kola Mashkin and all drinks, Mitzarfin Lamalukum, they add together for drinking. But if you eat a little bit and you drink a little bit, this comes up when a person uh, is uh, likely to get sick, a pregnant woman or a person that knows they can't fast well. 
So sometimes they get a leniency to break the fast. They have to go to a rabbi. And usually, if they have to break it, they should try to break it in a way that's not a Torah violation. So then what they do is they eat and drink small amounts, spread out over time, and that's enough so that they don't starve and that so, they don't get so dehydrated. So when it's starving is when it's, when, it's not, when it's less time. Because if it's spread over time, it's not the starving. Yeah, but that's here. It's saying even food and drink uh, don't add together. In other words, if you have even if it's together at the same time, at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah. So iser. Now, when we say aser, what do we mean here? So the first view is onish chorus. They'll be cut off. The supreme Gosh, penalty. The asks, Why do you say aser? It's onish chorus. That's much yeah. worse than just. Yeah, it's just yeah. So amaravi'ilevitevravi'elanitzukaelachatzishir. So there is a case where they wouldn't be cut off, but it's forbidden. Um, Basically, the, there's there's a certain minimum amount where all the penalties kick in, and uh, the if if they if they did do that amount, so then if they did it on purpose, they're cut off from Hashem, which is a terrible penalty. If they did it by mistake, they they usually bring a chatos. Um, so, what happens if a person ate or drank less than that amount? That's what we call chatzishir, less than the amount. Uh, then the Torah is going to throw the book at them. Now, obviously, you're not supposed to eat less than that amount. <laughs> we're just saying the Torah, all the all the penalties don't kick in. So now we're we're going to start that discussion. What's known as chatzishir, eating less than that amount. There is a view that works out good if you say that's forbidden. But there's actually an opinion who says chatzishir Torah. If you eat less than the required amount, you eat half an owl of a pig. No, no problem, <laughs> according to that view. Menat Torah. According to the other view, it is us. Michael, what are you going to say? Now, where do you have this debate? Did we learn Chatzishir? What happens if you eat less than the minimum amount? Rabbi Yochanan says, it's still forbidden. Menat Torah. Reish Lakish says, no, Mutter Menat Torah. Ha, Nikola Rabbi Yochanan. So like Rabbi Yochanan, he'll learn our Mishnah is talking about even if you uh, eat less than amount, it's still us, or just maybe not, um, the penalties don't kick in. But like Reish Lakish, who says it's totally okay, Torah. so why is it okay? Well, how could the Mishnah say Aser? Michael Maymar, the answer is, even Reish Lakish says that uh, even if it's not forbidden, Menatora, if you go around eating, like, uh, you know, tasting the pepperoni or whatever, you know, you're going to end up eating eventually a whole olive size. Oh, I only ate half an olive size, half an olive of shrimp, half an olive of this. Sooner or later, that person's going to eat a whole olive. It's Asmid Rabban. So says, So this is going to be a question. Is that true? That it's not. Uh, it's only usher mid rabbanim, and uh, the, the and we'll explain the case. Alamba tenan. If a, uh, the, this is a, in a different place, but uh, and it has to do with the laws of vows. We learned the following: If a person says shvua shlo ochel, he takes a vow, I won't eat, and he eats nevelus trefus shkatsin and he eats things that are not kosher. So, Chayev, he's still liable for breaking his vow. There's two problems. There's one penalty for eating treif, and then there's another penalty for breaking a vow. For breaking a vow, so then he brings a korban shvua. It's a, it's a korban for breaking the vow. So this is called breaking the vow. Rav Shimon says putter. That's not called eating, eating treif. Um, and the question is this. Why would he be liable for breaking his vow? The vow, Mushvava Omen Mahar Sinai. He's already, uh, he, he, we vowed at Har Sinai to keep the Torah. 
And so if you swear not to eat something which the Torah, you already agreed and swore at Harsinai that you wouldn't eat, so the rule is when you f- don't forbid anything, the vow doesn't uh, take place because you didn't really say anything. In other words, if you swear, you're not going to eat chazer. So those words don't add anything new. So then, then that's not considered a vow. So Rabbi Shmuel, and they say the reason the vow works is because you include things that are permitted. You said um, uh, something that was allowed, you then forbid as well. And so therefore the vow took place. And therefore, if you break the vow, you'll, you'll have to bring the offering on breaking a vow. So then the vow doesn't take place. It's and not, not Chayv on this. And not Chayv of Korban Shavuah. Reish says, the only case you'll find, El Meferish Chatzishir, Alibid Rabbanin, either if you said uh, directly, um, if you swore uh, that you wouldn't eat, and then you eat then like a half amount. So the Torah, Minah Torah, if you eat half an amount, you're not guilty. In this case, the oath that you took will, will get you in trouble because Minah Torah, if you ate less than the olive size, we won't throw the book at you. Here we will because he swore that he wouldn't eat. So therefore the oath takes place. Uh, or So we're in the middle of this discussion, uh, but we're dealing with the issue of uh, this, what they call Chatzishir. If a person eats less than the required amount, how much trouble is he going to be in?